0: Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, and today I'll be talking with burlesque dancer, Meadowlark. Meadowlark has been gracing the Utah burlesque stage for over three years. She's a member of Utah's Beehive Broads Burlesque and is currently a resident performer at Waikiki and Prohibition. Meadowlark has an extensive background in theater, including acting, singing, dramaturgy, writing, and costuming. After college, Meadow found her true calling to not be Broadway, but the world of burlesque. I had the opportunity to watch Meadowlark perform. It's the first and only burlesque performance I have ever seen. And it was so powerful. I'll talk about it later in this podcast. But after watching her, I immediately asked her that day if she'd be willing to come and talk to everyone on my podcast because I thought her ability to get on that stage and own her body, own her sexuality was just so powerful. And I wanted to hear her story and how, how she got there and how she does what she does. And that's what this podcast episode is about. I'm excited to share it with you. Meadowlark, thank you so much for being on my podcast today.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. I'm really glad you asked me to come and join you today.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Maybe just a little bit of your background and then we'll dive into our conversation.
1: Yeah, so I go by Meadowlark. It is a performer name. I use it for safety purposes, and it's a way to kind of keep these like two aspects of my life separate. But I am a burlesque performer. I started about three years ago. I come from a very, very heavy theatrical background. I went to school for acting. I did dramaturgy. I was a writer, also dabbled a little bit in costume design. So it's like really just kind of fed into Burlesque. I ended up finding Burlesque kind of accidentally and it's been something that has been really amazing for me the past few years. I've watched
0: you perform and you are phenomenal, phenomenal. Thanks. So, let's go back a little farther. Like, let's okay. let's really get into this story. So, start at whatever you consider to be the beginning of your journey.
1: Yeah. It's really funny you say that cuz I actually have like legitimately traced how this all happened, not just from my first performance. So it actually started, I would say, well, if we want to go really far back, it starts when I was five in my first show, but we'll speed up a little bit. (laughs) But yeah, I did theater my whole life and I loved it. I actually... I'm ex-Mormon, and I served a mission, and when I got back from my mission, I wanted to jump right back into theater, so I auditioned, and I got cast in a show, and I made a friend, and through this friend, she actually introduced me to a different world, not burlesque, not theater, but the world of mermaiding, and so, yeah, and so I ended up getting really into it. I was a professional mermaid for a little while. Here in Utah? Huh, yep. Yep. I was uh, part of a troupe for a little while and then was freelance for a little bit. But one of the gigs that I was hired for was something called Sketch Cabaret. And they do, they would have these kind of, it was monthly and then it went to quarterly. But these nights where they would, it was usually at Metro and Salt Lake, where it would be a different theme. They would have artists there, aerialists, performers, like artists that would just kind of like walk around and pose for people and people could come and sketch them. And so one time there was this like kind of carnival big top theme. And so I was asked to come and mermaid and be there for it. So I just like sat and looked pretty <laughs> and people could like talk with me, take pictures or sketch me if they wanted. And I ended up making some friends and those friends were in burlesque. And so I started sewing for them. And then I ended up like mentioning like how I love to perform and like one of them I made a can-can skirt for. And so I was like, I've always wanted to be part of a can-can troupe. And she's like, oh, I'm in one and we need an alternate performer. And so she got me in contact with that person who was doing that. And the one time they performed, they needed a performer. They needed the alternate. And so I came and it was at Prohibition. And I came and I performed. And two days before I performed, they're like, oh, make sure you have your solo act ready. (gasps) And I was like, what? Huh? So I was kind of a little blindsided. And so I was like, I can't burlesque because this was something like I had friends in the community at this point. This was something that I could not do. Because at this point, I had left the church, but I was still kind of still very entrenched in it and entrenched in, in the morals, not saying that they're bad. For some people, they're really good. But for me, it was it was a real struggle. So I wasn't sure if it was something I was going to be able to do. So I decided that I would perform, but I would not remove any clothing. I had been in the musical Chicago, and I had made my costume, so I still had it. So I did a dance number to all that jazz. And it was great. And it was so much fun. And they asked me to come back. So then I came back. And this time I was like, I'm gonna do it for real. I'm gonna go search through my costume box and find some clothing that I can remove. And so I had my very first burlesque performance in like July of 2017 at Prohibition.
0: Did you have any training? Did you have anyone like being like, this is how you do it? Or did you kind of
1: figure it out on your own? I kind of just figured it out on my own. I loved the movie Burlesque, which I mean, they kind of take clothes off there. It's definitely more cabaretish, but I was a fan of Dita Von Teese, and that was like the extent of my burlesque knowledge. I had seen my friends perform, but that was it. I kind of just was like, I'm a performer. I can dance. I've had training in that sense, so I can figure this out, and I kind of did. That is kind of. I did. I did figure you it did. out. You <laughs> did.
0: I can attest to that. Wow. Yeah. You watching you at that conference I went to, and then now I'm I'm music. Direct- I'm in theater too. I'm a theater oh, girl, okay. but more on the music side. I'm music directing a production of Cabaret right now, and that's about the extent of my burlesque knowledge. So that's why I'm like, "Ooh, tell me all the details. That's so fun." So talk to me a little bit about like body image for women is such. A huge deal and I don't think it matters if you're heavy or super skinny or have big breasts or you know like whatever your thing is I think we all struggle with being super self-conscious about our bodies and to have a career in which you're getting paid to show off your body how do you cope with all these body image issues that we all struggle with yeah
1: that is That is the big question. It's something that I, it's not a one and done thing. It's not like I address it, I face it, and I'm over it. I'm constantly having to deal with my own insecurities with my body. It's something that I had to get over when I very, very first started because with being on stage, like when I was in Chicago, yeah, I'm wearing basically lingerie on stage, but I'm also wearing, you know, like dancer tights, so I can hide a lot of like spandex and spanks under there to make myself look smooth and and nice and tight and everything. Burlesque are taking things off. So it kind of defeats the purpose of of you know making sure everything's taught, which is something that we don't we've been taught needs to happen, but it doesn't have to be there. And so it's been it's it's a constant struggle. I will not lie about that. But what I have to remind myself is that just because I look a certain way or I am a certain size doesn't mean that I have any less value. And I mean that quite literally because I get paid for what I do. I don't have any less value than this other performer that looks completely opposite from me. And I'm very specifically, like people can look me up and see what I look like, but I'm very specifically in this moment not describing what I look like because when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter like as a producer you can sure you can decide how you want to cast your show how you want to if you want a specific look but ultimately I will be able I should be able to find work for myself depending on you know if I put myself out there and really work for it because everybody has to but it it's really just about kind of a day-to-day acceptance of this is who I am I shouldn't have to tear parts away Of myself in order to fit somebody's mold. I read something really wonderful literally last week that my friend shared on Facebook. They are friends with somebody who is in the porn industry. They're not an actor in the porn industry. They're a creator. And what they said was the thing that they have learned working in the porn industry, whether if you agree with porn or not, is that there will always be an audience for you. There will always be somebody. You are oh, you will always be somebody's type. And it's not about one person being like, okay, yeah, well, I guess I, I have no other option. So that's what I like. There will always be somebody, and usually not just one, but a lot of people that like what you have to offer. And so that's kind of what I have to think about with performing specifically, because I am here to entertain. I am here for views. And so I I am having to think about audience perspective, and there will always be somebody who, there will always be be multiple people who like what I have to offer. And so I just kind of have to always think of it that way, and then always just kind of just remind myself that I am enough, that I am more than enough, as long as I like me and as, as long as I like the work that I am doing, that in the end is what really matters.
0: Amen. I, man, I had a lot of thoughts while you were talking, but the thing that I just keep thinking about is how, like I said, I had never watched any kind of burlesque performance before that conference. And I was shocked that that was the most, the whole conference I went, The, the I've been talking about it. I better tell people what it is. I went to a Thrive conference. It's Thriving After Mormonism. It's a women's conference for women who have left the LDS church and Natasha Helfer spoke there and then she invited Meadowlark to come do a burlesque performance for us. And I was the whole conference was so good, but I was shocked that the most like the only word I can even think of is like it was a spiritual experience. (laughs) Some people are going to be horrified that I'm using that term, but that's really what it was for me to watch you perform because I, I have to find the words to describe it. It was like it was like you were fighting for all of us in that room to just love ourselves the way we are and to watch your confidence and the way you just like owned your sexuality and your body and it like clicked for me that that's what matters like that's what sexy has nothing to do with your body type or this yeah. body part or whatever it's this mm-hmm. confidence and this owning of it and It was such a cool experience to be there and to witness that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think going into Thrive, that conference, was definitely very, very different from what I normally do. I think underlying, I always kind of have this hope that people are going to see me perform and they're going to be able to take a little something away, feeling maybe a little bit better about themselves or you know whatever it may be. But this one... Was really, I felt really important. It was, it felt like it had a lot of weight to it coming in and and showing people like you can own your sexuality, you can own your sensuality, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And so I'm glad it was able to give at least you, if not more people, permission
0: to do so. I absolutely know it gave more people permission because I was sitting at a table and we talked about it and now I'm actually taking a group class from Natasha Helfer and your performance has come up several times in that class, both by Natasha and other people in the group that were there. Oh, so if the small sampling of people that I have been in contact with since that conference is any indication, like that was possibly life-changing
1: for a lot of women at that yeah. conference. I'm And I'm, I'm just really, really thankful that I was able to be a part of that it really was I like I left and I was kind of like this was a once in a once in a lifetime once in a career kind of event that I was able to be a part of
0: yeah and I loved watching all the women rush up to give you money because it was something so much bigger than just paying a burlesque dancer right it was like mm-hmm. you You were like the conduit for all these women, all these sexually repressed, sexually shamed women to like reclaim something about themselves. And like I said, it really felt like this amazing, transcendent experience. It was so powerful.
1: Yeah. The energy in that room was unlike anything else that I have felt, particularly doing burlesque. I think I felt it one other time, um, and it was two years ago when I first debuted one of my favorite acts. I have to be very careful about where I do it because I need to know my audience, but I have an act to the song Burning Gold by Christina Perry, and it starts with me coming out dressed as a missionary, and I'm actually wearing my actual missionary tag. And it talks, the song, if you're not familiar with the song, it talks about kind of feeling stuck, kind of feeling like on this path, and you're not sure if it's the right one. And then the bridge into the chorus talks about, the lyrics are, I've had enough, I'm standing up, I need, I need a change. And so in that moment, like I'm literally like I'm on on my knees and I'm praying, and I have a Book of Mormon in my hand, and I slam it down and I stand up, and I take the badge off and I throw it down. And then the big reel is at the beginning of the chorus, which is I'm setting fire to the life that I've known. And I rip off the missionary dress and it's a gold sparkly outfit underneath. And it's like a corset and the short skirt. And that act is very much my story. Um, Leaving the church, that decision was something that was really, really hard for me. I have been what I call yo-yoing, in and out of the church since high school. So it was kind of a long time coming. There was definitely a lot of sadness around it, but I finally decided it was something I needed to do. And so this was kind of my cathartic way of like finally putting that part of me to rest. And the first time I performed it was at a show called Behind the Zion Curtain, which happens once a month. And It is a show that is very experimental, I'll say. So the audience, it was the right kind of audience for it. And I was so, so, so nervous to do that act because like, even at one point, I rip out pages of the Book of Mormon and I rip them up and throw them in the air. And that can be a little sensitive to some people, and I understand that, which is why I'm careful about where I perform that. But the first time I perform that, the feeling in the room was like the feeling at that conference. It was electric. It was emotional. It was, as you said, spiritual. I came off stage and I was crying. And then the producer of the show came backstage and she's like, I have never seen this kind of audience reaction at this show before. People came up to me afterwards saying that it was very very personal to them, that they had cried during it. It was just a very transformative piece for me. And that's kind of doing that. And the conference, it was the same kind of feeling for me. Man, that sounds spectacular. That sounds so powerful.
0: And it resonates with me. And I know, like you said, this is a sensitive thing, right? Because Mm -hmm. we're talking about a religion, which is super sacred to the people who believe in it. But yeah, I think what it's important for people to understand is like, it's important to not feel ashamed of who you are. I think that's why I named my podcast, just be your bad self, right? Because for so much of my life, there's all these, this is the right way to do this. This is the right way to do this. This is the right way to do this. And it's suffocating. And there's so much shame and trying to just stuff all the parts of yourself in that aren't accepted by this religion and feeling like you're not worthy of love for certain parts of yourself. And so imagining that performance of just stepping into like, this is who I am mm-hmm. and I'm going to let go of this shame and, and this idea that I have to subscribe to these particular checkboxes that someone set out for me. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is always and that's kind of another reason why I'm careful about where I do it. And when I do it, because it is so personal to me, because this is my story. Like, like I said, I'm wearing my missionary tag. So you can see my last name, like, I have a performer, a stage name for a reason. And so to have my real name on display. I mean, you have to be really, really close to be able to see it, but it's, it is an act that is so personal to me. I have only ever performed it, besides that one time, I've only ever performed it in public two other times. Recent was at Waikiki, which is a queer bar downtown in downtown Salt Lake. I performed it the first weekend of Pride because since leaving the church, I have come out as lesbian so it also kind of has that layer to it and it went like i knew that that was the right place that was the right time to do that act again and it it was well received i had one moment during the second verse of the song it kind of talks about there's a line that says one step forward and two back again and i go back and i pick up the book of mormon again and i had people in the audience like no don't and so it just felt like they were kind of with me, even though it's a journey that has already happened. For the most part, it is. It felt like they were able to be with me and kind of bolster me up during my journey. I would love to
0: watch that performance,
1: and I wish I could like because I I know some of my
0: listeners are active LDS, and I wish I could get across like I I worry that some people. And I'm sure this, and like you said, this is why you have to be so selective for who you perform this Mm -hmm. for is because some people, if you don't perform it for the right people are all they're going to see is like, you're being disrespectful to, you know, the Book of Mormon or this religion. And what they don't see is like, this religion is part of who I am too. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a part of who I am too. And this part of my life is sacred to me too, which is what makes it so powerful that I'm able to break free of it. Yeah, the pain that it's caused.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I know that people, there will be people that are offended by this act and it is not my intention. My mom always has this saying and sometimes I agree with it and sometimes I don't, but she says, if you get offended, you're looking to be offended. But I, I know that some people will be offended. So I try to be conservative of where I do it, as I've said, but it, like you said, this religion has been a part of me and is a part of me. Like I mentioned, I went on a mission and I I don't regret it. It was really, really hard and it had a severe, severe effect on my mental health. But I learned a lot about myself going on a mission. I the biggest thing is I learned how to live with other people and I learned how to communicate with other people. I was really bad at it before. And so I don't, I don't regret it. I have a lot of how I hold myself in this world is because of the Mormon church. But, you know, I have things that I absolutely do not agree with. And so I just, I found it best for me to step away and not be a part of it.
0: Yeah. I feel like for a lot of us that leave the church, some people might view it as like, we're rebelling against good values, or like, we want to live whatever, you know, crazy life we want to live, and we want to sin. But I think for most people, what it is, is that our values have grown beyond the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it, it comes to a point where we feel like, like you said earlier, how did you say it something about, oh, you didn't, you were nervous to do burlesque, because you were still entrenched in these church morals. And it's not like, it's not exactly that you gave up on being immoral. You didn't give up on being a moral person, but your values maybe grew or changed.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I was entrenched and I was worried about this because there is such a purity culture in the church with, once again, for some people, it's great. For me, it's not. And one of those things is is modesty. And for me, modesty means something completely different. And that's kind of what changed and evolved. Modesty became less about what I chose to put on my body and became more about, and I think I'm still trying to kind of figure out what modesty means to me. I kind of feel like it is sort of this abstract idea that we have tried to, that we I say we the the Mormon church has kind of tried to put in a little bit of a box but I think it's not just the Mormon church I think there are a lot of different people that have kind of put modesty in a box and who's to say that that the only way to view it I view it now as something completely different because I have zero problem getting up on stage and taking my top off and just being in a bra and panties on stage and people can see all of me it's it's not an issue for me anymore I I, I feel like I started seeing a lot more gray is what it is there's a lot more nuance so what's your favorite part about doing burlesque oh man there's so much I am not a type of person who usually like puts on a lot of makeup and does their hair which you would never I've had moments where like I show up to the venue and like Waikiki they have a dressing room so I just kind of get ready there and so I'll show up and I'll come in and then I'll get ready and I come out people will have I'll like have talked to somebody when I'm just like no makeup no hair like in my street clothes and then I come back out as meadowlark and they have no clue that it's the same person. So being uh-huh. able to transform so completely is really fun. I've always loved costumes. That was always my favorite part about acting was when I got to see my costumes. But I am a theater kid at heart. The attention is just Mwah, chef's kiss. I, <laughs> I live off of it. I love getting those applause. I love getting those hoots and hollers. It's fantastic. There's a line in Chicago uh, that says, "Let's see, none of us got any, got enough love in our childhood, and that's why we're in showbiz." (laughs) Granted, if that's true or not, I had great parents growing up, but it's it always kind of just makes me chuckle because I feel like I I took a break from theater after college because I just I got burned out on it, (laughs) and I have found a new way to perform and get kind of what I got out of theater and. It's, it's just there's, there is a thrill like no other and I feel like I can't even put words to it of just being able to get up on a stage in front of people. Are you pretty close to your burlesque? Like, is there like a burlesque community? Yeah, there is a burlesque community. It is, it is small. And it's not just in Utah. It is, is everywhere I know some performers that are out of state and because there's a lot of places have their own communities. But in Utah, I know. I think most of them, probably not all, but there is a very kind of tight-knit community. And so I am part of a troupe. I'm part of the Beehive Broads Burlesque troupe that was started by Delta Ray Dixon. And I love it because it's instant friends, which is always great. And it's also a a place where I can like bounce ideas off of so if I'm like hey I'm working on this act I'm not sure what direction to go in should I do this or this and they're able to help me and support me if we're in different shows like we let each other know and you know we try and come out as much as possible for our burlesque sisters and brothers and siblings and and support them and so it, it's wonderful It's great. It can, like any sibling, there can be fighting and it can get a little toxic, but for the most part, I feel very supported in it.
0: How's the general reception in Utah? Like, is it different here, you think, than it would be elsewhere? Are people more excited
1: about it here than it would be elsewhere? I I have a a different perspective than other people because I haven't performed outside of Utah, so I've only experienced Utah. But from What people have told me is Utah is just, and I have, I've experienced at least what it's like in Utah, Utah's kind of (laughs) weird. And you like, you never know what you're going to get here. Like you may walk, like I'll take, I'll perform at prohibition and I love performing there. They're great to work with. And the audience, you never know what you're going to get there. Like I can come in one weekend and do shows and everybody's loving it. And then there can be other times where people are like, oh, I'm just here for dinner and a drink or two. And they're like, (laughs) oh, there's people that are taking their clothes off. Interesting. Okay. Well, back to my conversation now. So it's, it's really interesting. We can pack them in and then sometimes there's not an audience member in sight. So it keeps you it, on your toes. <laughs> yeah, it like was underground for so long, and now it's kind of coming to the surface. Like burlesque is kind of trendy. It was drag. I mean, drag is still very trendy, but it's so interesting how like burlesque is starting to like creep up and meet up with drag, and it's it's fun. That's awesome. So, if you have like a takeaway or a message
0: that you want to leave with the listeners, what would that be? Hmm.
1: Do the thing. Stop stop worrying about other people's perceptions because you can't control that. It is as, as coming from a control freak. Stop trying to control it because you can't. Just do the thing, whether that is taking your clothes off in front of people or it could be, you know, whatever it is. Just do the thing. And if you don't have the confidence, you'll get it. Just do the thing. Love it.
0: I'm thrilled to announce that Arc is going to be one of the guest clinicians at the Reclaiming Female Sexuality Retreat that's coming up in May. She'll be doing a burlesque workshop, and it is going to be awesome. I'm sure there'll be lots of awkwardness and laughter as we all try to tap into our sexy sides. You can find more information about the retreat at JustBeYourBadSelf.com. Thanks for joining me today. Your invitation this week... Do something to celebrate your body and do it with all the confidence you can muster. Maybe you go shake your booty at a Zumba class or go rock climbing or buy a piece of clothing that makes you feel amazing. Whatever it is, do it because you want to and forget about what anybody else thinks. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to leave a review, subscribe to the podcast or share it, you have my heart. Remember, you are enough right now in this moment that's it from me now just be your bad self